truth, mercy, and grace is what we'll be talking about today on Bridges. I'm Monica Schmelter. I'm glad that you could join us. I know I'm so thankful for truth, for mercy, and grace. And today, as we talk about those essential items in our Christian life, we're going to take a look at a very loving father and his two sons and how all of that teaches us a lesson even in today's times. We're going to start in Luke 15. I will start with the 11th verse there and read through to the 16th verse out of the New Living Translation. It says there, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Now, before I read further, (laughs) this is the beginning of what we would know of the heartbreak and the dysfunction in their family. Lots may have gone on before, but this is where Jesus picks up this story. And because of sin, right, this young man's selfishness, his greed, I mean, who asked somebody for the inheritance before they die? I, I cannot even imagine even an adult child asking their dad. But he introduces this. And so dysfunction, sin is like all over the place. Nonetheless, the dad agrees to divide up his wealth between the two two sons. So we'll pick up at verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So, There's a lot right there, just in the beginning of that story. There's selfishness, there's there's greed, there's disrespecting his father, all of that on the part of this younger son. And so he goes out, he spends all the money on wild living, and you know, as soon as the money's gone, right, the friends are gone and all of that. So he decides, wow, I'll, I'll get a job. So he talks this farmer into hiring him. And remember, you know, most of us are Gentiles. This This family is a Jewish family. So for him to go and feed pigs is like a really big deal. I mean, and to think that the pods, what you're feeding the pigs, like you would be so hungry that you would want to eat that. And yet there's no food. So this young man who's been so selfish, who's been so rebellious, so disrespectful, who introduces all of this heartbreak and dysfunction into this family now finds himself starving, or at least very, very hungry. So he bottoms out, as we would call it today. He reaches the end of himself. And then in verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me 
as a hired servant. So let's look at some other parts of this story. The fact that it says, finally, he finally comes to his senses means that there's been some passage of time. It means that he tried every which way to not have to go back home. It's just that the money ran out and life got harder and harder and harder. And it says he went to a distant land, so we know he's far from his father. And I think one of the things that we all need to understand when we're praying for someone or praying for a prodigal, that sometimes it may take a while. Uh, it's wonderful when we get our prayers answered quick and in a hurry. I love that when it happens. But a lot of the times, God works through the processes in our lives. And as we're praying, he's working through our prayers. And sometimes those that we're praying for have to go through this process. They have to get to the place that they more or less come to the end of themselves so that they can finally come to their sentence. So truth number one today is truth prevails. There comes a point in this young, young man's life that he finally comes to his senses and he realizes, hey, I had it way back over there with my dad. He, he was far enough away from it that he missed those good memories. He certainly missed the food. And he decides that, you know, I will just go back and basically I'll throw myself at the mercy of my dad. I'll tell him, look, I'm, I'm not even worthy to be your son. I've, I've sinned, I've done wrong. He comes to these senses and truth prevails. And what we need to understand about God's word is that God's word is truth. It is the only absolute truth. I know there's a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion today about, will you live your truth and I'll live my truth. And you know, none of those things will just collide or interfere with each other. Hi everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And that's just not true. That's not the way it is. God's word is the absolute truth. And anything and anyone that dares to contradict God's word or to say, well, that's not really true, his word is forever right. And so whoever doesn't agree is just wrong. So we have to understand that God's word, it's forever settled in heaven. And you and I, we can count on that truth prevails. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will stand forever. And between this father and this younger son, this younger son missed the provision of his father. And one of the things that we need to understand when we look at this parable of the prodigal son is that not only is it a story about an earthly dad and his two sons, one good son, the older son, one prodigal son, the younger son, 
This story is telling us about our heavenly father and his relationship with us and his heart. So we go on with Luke 15 and I'll read there verse 20. So it says, so he returned home to his father. So that's just one sentence. And you know, a lot of times as we read through stories in the Bible or when we're at church and we hear them, if we know the end of this story, we get so happy and we we're so encouraged about what it teaches us. But I just want us to look at this young man right this second. The scripture makes it clear he traveled to a distant land. He comes to the end of himself where there's not enough food. He comes to his senses. It says, so he returned home to his father. That had to be a really long, hard walk. Can you imagine what's going on in his mind as he's rehearsing? You know how we do to ourselves. We plan what we're going to say and how we're going to say it. And he's like, you know, he had it all planned out. Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just give me a job. Those words, probably those words of guilt, of condemnation. Why did I ever do that in the first place? I had an inheritance. I had a good dad. I lived in a good home. I had a good older brother. What have I done? The thought of what if my dad doesn't take me back? What if everyone is just so angry at me and rightfully so because of my behavior, what if I'm never accepted? So it has to be a long, long walk. And it says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. This moment is also a part of how truth prevails, that God's word, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So this young man takes that long walk and whatever he's saying to himself, his self-talk, whatever he's saying, he's not even there yet. He's a long way off and the father sees him. And remember, this story is not just about the prodigal son and his dad. This story is teaching us about the heavenly father. And when we get a long way off or when one of our family members gets a long way off, when they travel to a distant land, when they squandered all the money, done whatever that they've done, they come to their senses and they start to travel toward home. Our heavenly father sees us. Good news for us. He's not mad. He's not angry. He doesn't say to this son, oh, you know, you're dirty, you're rotten. Look at what all you've done. I'm so ashamed. Nope. Says, well, he's a long way off. He sees him coming and his heart is filled with love and compassion. And he runs to his son and he embraces him and he kisses him. And that kindness of his dad accepting him back, that son is able to say, man, I've sinned. I've messed up. And here's what we need to understand. Sometimes we can be angry and frustrated with the prodigals in our life. We can look at the world and just think, how can you be so ridiculous? The deception, I, it doesn't even make sense, the things that you believe. And yet, God's kindness, when we're still a long way off, he's looking for us. 
And this is what scripture te teaches us. It does teach us that truth prevails. It does teach us that all unrepentant sin is gonna be dealt with by God himself. But scripture also teaches us what I'll talk about today is truth number two, and that is that mercy triumphs judgment. Through mercy, this prodigal son, mercy gives the prodigal son a second chance. Though he messed up, though he went far, though he clearly, we know that the Bible says he spent all the money he had on wild living. He partied. Some translation says he spent money on prostitutes. So we know, right, that there's been drunkenness involved. There's been fornication involved, probably shame brought to his family, just even his own guilt and disrespect that he would have for himself to ask his dad while his dad is still alive, look, give me my portion of the money. I want it now. I don't want it after you're gone. But mercy gives this prodigal son a second chance. I want you to look with me. I'm going to read from the Amplified at James uh, chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, therefore, judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. But to the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs victoriously over judgment. Now, that is enough to keep us rejoicing again and again and again, because there's not one of us, prodigal or not, that has not needed the mercy of God. And I know for me, on many, many occasions, not just the occasion when I gave my heart to the Lord for, to get saved that first time, but again and again and again in my relationship with him, I have to come to him for forgiveness, for mercy. And the word of God says that for those that show mercy, that we will receive mercy. And that for those who have been merciless, that that's gonna be a hard, hard day. So we need to look at our hearts because this story, again, is not just about this dad and his two sons. This story is also depicting for us a picture of our heavenly father and how he feels toward us. And you know, sometimes when we're not the prodigal, sometimes when we're the one who might identify, let's say of the good son, which we'll talk more about in just a moment, we can become merciless. Like, well, you should have known better. You had everything. Uh, we can get, as believers, we can take on a sense of entitlement. Like, yeah, well, we've gotten our forgiveness and we've gotten our mercy. And the rest of you people, uh, not a lot of help and hope for you. You knew better, right? We say things like you made your bed, you lay in it. Well, you know, if you hadn't done that sin to begin with, you wouldn't be in the mess you are. And I want to say this, even if that's true, when we repent, mercy triumphs judgment. There's not one of us who hasn't needed mercy many, many times. And God forbid that we would ever allow our hearts to get entangled and to get wrapped up with entitlement. This loving Father and His merciful heart speaks volumes to us about our Heavenly Father's attitude and when we come home and when we repent, the Father's love and mercy begins to mend that broken relationship between the Father and the Son. That dysfunction that's been introduced between those two is being healed. 
and we can understand that the dysfunction in our lives that's caused by sin, when we come to Christ, when we come back to Christ, that dysfunction, that brokenness begins to be healed as we serve God, as we repent, as we obey. Now, it says in verse 22, about all of this repenting and the father seeing the son a long way off, we pick up in verse 22 and it says, but his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. Can you, just can't even imagine the heart of this father. And he wants everybody to celebrate. He wants the servants to come together, the family. He's not ashamed of his kid. He might not have liked, clearly he didn't like what his son did. But he was watching, ever watching with a watchful eye, so that even when his son was a long way off, he was wanting to beckon him home and he was wanting to celebrate. We think of that scripture that says that when one sinner repents, that all of heaven rejoices. And so this rejoicing right now in this family, this party, this feast that this dad wants to throw because his son that was lost is now found, it is giving us yet another picture it is giving us an earthly example of that rejoicing that happens in heaven. And so it speaks to you and it speaks to me of our father's heart, of his care, of his concern for the lost. It says, Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. He said he wasn't looking for the healthy. Healthy people don't need a doctor. He was looking for those that were sick, sick with sin, those that would recognize our need and our dependence upon him. And so this father's heart is just to embrace his son, to make everything new again. And think about it. What does the book of Revelation teach us? That he's going to make all things new. This earth, this fallen earth is about sin and dysfunction Everything that we can see with our eyes is passing away. Inwardly, we're being renewed. It's what we can't see. And God is ultimately, at one point, he is going to make for all who believe in him, for all who have trusted Christ as Savior, he's going to make all things new. It says when he makes all things new, that the old order of things will have passed away. There will be no more death no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more tears. That is such a day to look forward to. And until that day, God asks us to cultivate a heart for the lost, to cultivate a heart for the prodigals, to care like this father, to say, I will receive you back. I'll receive you into the kingdom. You repented, son, just come right in. I've been waiting for you. Imagine that. That right now, if you are very far from God, if you feel far from him, if you've done things that you shouldn't have done after knowing him, 
He's watching for you. He's looking for you, even though you might feel like you're a long way off and he's not mad at you. And he's not wanting to use the things that you've done against you or to bring those up. His son already bore in his body the penalty and the price of our sin. There's no need for us to pay for it again. And even if we tried, we can't do it. And so if you understand that even if you're what we would call a backslider, and if you, you've never known him, let's say you just thought all that Christian stuff was stupid, but yet right now you're understanding that maybe there's more to this life than what you can see. Well, there is. We have a God in heaven who loves us and he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to save us. And he did not come, he did not come to condemn this world. He came to save it. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to do just like this father of the prodigal son, wrap his arms around you and he wants all of heaven to have a party because one person, one lost person has been reclaimed. That's what all of this is about. So this father wants everybody to celebrate. And we'll see, sometimes everybody's not ready to do that. But one of the truths that we really need to understand in truth number three today is that grace is bigger. And when I say grace is bigger, by grace, we've been adopted, right? By our heavenly father as sons and as daughters. By grace, we call him father. So mercy gives this prodigal son a second chance. And grace makes this son a son again. Grace says to him, no, you don't have to be a hired servant. I'm your father. You're not a servant in my house. You are my son, my beloved son. And I receive you and I throw this party for you. And I want everybody to rejoice because it's a picture of what our heavenly father does for us. And I want you right now, because sometimes as we hear messages or we go to church or we read the Bible, we kind of read it and it's like, well, that's a nice story. This is good. But we don't really take time to reflect. We don't really take time to say to ourselves, you know, what does this say to me? So let's take, for example, truth number three, grace is bigger. In the online extras for today, which you can get on the website, there's just going to be a place for you to write grace is bigger than, and then you write what it's bigger to you then, because we all, the Bible says that the enemy scans us at our place for weakness to destroy us. And sometimes if you take just the time to write out grace is bigger than whatever it is that you did or that you think you did or this weakness, this place that you keep getting sifted time and time again, and it causes you to fall out of close relationship with God, remember that grace is bigger. I'm going to take just a moment to pray and just to pray that you, God will give you and give me a greater understanding of how big that his grace really is. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I lift up every single person that's watching. And I thank you, Father, for mercy. And I thank you for grace that's bigger than all of our sins. It's bigger than all of our sins even collectively. Your love, your grace is bigger. And I pray that you will give every person watching that wisdom 
and that revelation of how big your grace is and how deep and how wide the love of God is for all of us in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father, that we will draw close to you so that you can draw close to us. I ask God right now that you open up our eyes to the truth of your word. And I thank you, Father, that you will never leave us and never forsake us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So I want us all to understand that this story that Jesus tells about the father of the prodigal son, it is a depiction of our heavenly father and every last one of us. It's God's desire to clothe us in his righteousness. Like just when this father said, go get the best robe in the house. God clothes us with the robe of righteousness that's been purchased for us by his son, Jesus Christ. He wraps his arm around him and he says, no, you can't work for me. You're not gonna be a servant. You're my son. And he says to us, you are my sons. You are my daughters. I love you. We are heirs and joint heirs. He takes all of the sin that has separated us from him when we repent and that is obliterated. The word of God says he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west and that he remembers them no more. His word says he remembers that our frame is but dust. So I ask you just to carefully consider this story today, story about the dad and his prodigal son, the truth about truth, mercy, and grace. Truth number one, that truth prevails and will always prevail. No one will be able to accuse us before the father, the enemy tries. But if we know Christ, our slate is wiped clean. And then that mercy, mercy gives this son, this prodigal son, a second chance and mercy gives us a second chance. And truth number three, that grace is bigger. It is bigger than anything that we've ever imagined that we could imagine. His grace is bigger. That undeserved, unmerited favor that he chooses to give us through his son, Christ Jesus. I want to say again, God is not mad at you. He's not wanting to berate you for your past mistakes or for your present mistakes. He's just asking that we surrender, that we repent of our sins and that we surrender our lives to Christ and allow Christ to be the Lord of our life, to ask him about decisions that we make, to read his word, to obey his word, to follow him in all things. One of the things we need to understand about the prodigal story is that the prodigal comes home. So there's hope. There's hope for the prodigals that you're praying for. There's hope for all of the people that we're praying for. We need to be faithful and pray for unbelievers because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Today's truth that I want to leave you with is mercy triumphs judgment every single time. Let none of us ever get entitled to think, well, that person is too far gone or I deserve it and this person doesn't. Let's hold on to today's truth. Let's be merciful so we can receive mercy. Let's hold on to today's truth that mercy triumphs judgment every single time. I am all out of time, but I will be back next time again on Bridges and we will have more hope for the journey. 
Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.